time with the struggle so long I maintain Papa is the king that the world don't see Don't forget where I came, trying to get out anyway Stuck in this cycle, I'm stuck in a maze Feeling like I'm losing all the way I'm winning Yeah You never really got my pain too tired to explain Yeah Welcome to Inclusive, the show where we speak to a variety of individuals that are influential within their field, whether that be locally, nationally or on a wider scale. My name is Adam Gabsey and I will be your host. Today we are joined by Gladys Janes MB. Gladys is a welfare benefit advisor with years of experience attending tribunals, which mostly her client has won, filling out endless DLA, Disability Living Allowance, and PIP, Personal Independence Payments Forms, and tackling the DWP, Department for Work and Pensions. In 1972, Gladys saw the need for a pan-impairment organisation in Harrow, as nothing existed, and with a small group of disabled people, started HAD, formerly Harrow Association of Disabled People, to support individuals when claiming welfare benefits. Gladys, welcome. Thank you, Adam. It's a delight to be here and speak to you. Can we start by talking about you? And can you tell me about your upbringing? My upbringing? Oh, gosh. Um, I don't think my upbringing was any different to anybody else's. I went to school. Um, I started nursing when I was actually 16 because they would take me then. I nursed for four years, um, then I was married, I had children. Um, as they grew up, I became more interested and concerned with disabled people and their rights. And I was coerced into joining a national disability group, which then was Disablement Income Group. Um, which was nationwide, not, not just local, it was a nationwide. Mm -hmm. um, we then in, decided, as Adam said, we decided to form a local group and um, our founder member was actually Tim Chapley, who was what they term a polio victim. I don't know why it's a polio victim, but it was. It's not now. Um, uh, and a wheelchair user. Uh, and he had campaigned for years uh, for support for disabled people. Uh, we started on a, a dining room table in, in somebody's house and then moved to another building, one room in a building, and moved around generally in the borough until we finished up in um, in the Wheelstone Centre where we are now. <clears throat> still trying to um, still trying to make sure that people get their own rights uh, and their own benefits. Benefits have changed a lot because as Adam said, DLA has gone to PIP. Originally, there was only attendance allowance, 
which was for people from 15 to 50. They then extended it to age 55. And at some point, I can't remember which year, it was ultimately then extended further. Um, it was then decided to divide it and they had disability living allowance for under 65, which included mobility allowance because then if necessary, a person could go to work and have a motability car if they needed it. Um, attendance allowance will give you the money, but not the mobility aids. Attendance allowance is now obviously for people over 66. Um, it's, DLA has now changed to personal independence payment, which is proving far more difficult to be granted as they seem to have a different, a different set of rules, um, which I don't always understand. Um, they don't take into account aids and adaptations. And if you need aids and adaptations to live, why don't they take it into account? Mm. I, I don't know. Um, let, let me ask you, let me ask you some questions. Um, have you always been from Harrow? I, I was born in Harrow. <coughs> before the war, I'll say that. Don't say anything else. Okay. I was born in Harrow before the war. Um, I went to a, a nursery school. I then went to a... Um, I was quite lucky in that I actually had a private school education until I was 11. And then I went to a... a a high school in Kilburn. And as I say, from there, I went to the Royal National Orthopaedic Hospital to, to do nursing. And I think that gave me even more of a, um, an interesting concern in helping disabled people, working with a great many people with um, various bone deformities, at that time, polio was quite rife. There were two outbreaks in 1947 and 1951 until they managed to bring out injections against them. So there were an awful lot of children and adults who'd had polio who were now paralysed, who weren't before. Um, and I can remember there would be in one ward with eight... Um, oh dear, what do you call them? The ones that help you breathe, the machines that help you breathe. Uh, res res respiratory machines, and there would be at least eight people in the respiratory machines who literally couldn't move and they could only see the world through a mirror above their heads. They were encased in iron lungs, they were called then, because they were iron lungs. Um, and they were encased in this box of iron, if you like, and fed and washed and everything through a window on the side. Um, it was quite amazing watching them. Some of them existed and came through. Uh, there was one in particular, John, and I'm trying to think of his surname, and he married a friend of mine who was a physio, uh, and he was, he, he managed to get a bungalow built um, 
in Hertfordshire somewhere, I can't remember where, which was done exactly to him and it had an iron lung and it had its own electric generator mm. outside the bungalow in case the electricity went off because in those days you quite often had electric cuts. Um, and and um, he, he was quite amazing. He, he went to Parliament, he, he went up in a plane, he, he did anything and everything that he could. And, and um, his wife supported him all the way through. That sounds like my dream. Yeah. To be honest, <laughs> to be able to build a bungalow that's made for my oh, you. Yeah. needs specifically. That yeah. sounds amazing. What is the hardest challenge you've had to overcome in your life? In a sense, my life has been easy compared to a number of people, you know, a lot of people. Mm. Uh, my life has been quite easy. <clears throat> I've, I've managed to work, I've managed to bring up a family. Um, I can live in a property uh, that's owned, not, not rented, so you might get thrown out. Um, I think I've possibly been one of the lucky ones, mm. and I haven't had too much of a challenge. HAD, formerly Harrow Association of Disabled People, is a pan-impairment organisation, home to all disabled people. Can we go back to 1972? Yeah. And can you tell me why you felt it was important to start HAD? Because there wasn't anything locally to assist disabled people at the time. There were social services, we know, but there wasn't anything locally to help them with um, with gaining the insight. <coughs> um, it meant an improvement in their, or hopefully an improvement in their general being because it was extra income coming in. And income is one of the main things you need if you have a disability. Uh, more income than others. And if you can't work, then you need it in some other way. There's nothing to stop you working. You can work. Um, but I don't know how many percent of disabled people actually are unable to work. Is there a pivotal moment that stands out to you in the creation of HUD? I think when we were finally recognised by, by the borough that we were an organisation trying to do something and actually managed to get some support and work with them. I think that was probably one of the best points. HUD is 52 years old this year. That's right. Is there something you can look back on as the standout moment? Oh gosh. Probably our 50th anniversary was quite amazing. Um, we had a large party, we had a great many guests there. Um, the mayor, councillors, various people. Um, Sadiq Khan didn't come, but... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether he was invited, to be honest, but um, it was local people came. I remember the party very well because yeah. I believe that DJed. Yes, um, you did. Yeah, yeah, did, yeah, you did. Yeah. So uh, we had a good time. It was a great party, yeah. to be fair. There have been so many changes to the benefit system over the years, and my main aim has been to get as much money as I can out of the government. <laughs> yeah. 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 This involves a lot of patients. You can wait hour, an hour on the phone or more than an hour for the people to answer. 
you are a well-experienced welfare benefits advisor. What is it that drives you? It's the urge to get the, the rights and the extra income to disabled people. What are your influences? I mean, I'm influenced by the, the, the poverty that happens among disabled people. Have you seen changes over the years with regard to the demographic of your client? So has your client changed? The one thing we have seen, because originally DLA <coughs> was only considered for people with physical disabilities. And eventually it came to realise, people came to realise that people with mental health problems also needed a lot of support and a lot of help. And the, the mental health clients have, have increased quite considerably. People with learning disabilities also didn't think they came into the equation, but, um, you, you know, they, they definitely should do and, and always do if we can help it. If we, we can help there, we, we do. You, you personally have supported hundreds, myself included, actually. You have supported hundreds, if not thousands, of disabled people attending tribunals when they have been wrongly refused by the DWP, Department for Working Pensions. How does that make you feel? Very pleased. Um, I, I find that the DWP don't take the same notice of the need for care and attention that a disabled person might need. Um, but the tribunal service invariably will overturn the decision because they can see the need more, the extra care that people do need uh, with, with some of their... Can you tell me about the early years of HAD and, you know, um, kind of finding your feet, so to speak? I mean, the early years, we literally worked in one room in a social services building and people gradually came to know what we did and came to us for help, for, for, for benefit issues. Um, we found social services were usually quite helpful <clears throat> with, if they knew we were trying to help the client, but they were quite helpful as well. Your name, I, and I've been trying to think of the term of phrase all morning, I haven't been able to think of it, um, but to me, you're like a, a urban myth, your name. Um, it, it was because obviously I had been diagnosed um, with multiple sclerosis and was kind of in denial, which I'll credit you for making me realize. Yeah. Um, I, I'd been refused by the DWP many times. And it, it wasn't until um, 
I was actually with someone at the time who told me that I needed to speak to you. So, um, oh, you need to speak to Gladys. Uh, and, you know, I, I was refused again by the DWP and, you know, because... That, that I don't know, there was something in my brain where, because there's a question on the form, or at least there used to be a question on the DLA form, where can you walk a certain amount, was it 20 yeah. metres on 20, it? 20 yeah. 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 yeah, 50 metres, yeah. I, I say, mm. yeah, of course I couldn't. And it, it wasn't just until you said to me, you can't walk 20 metres, that, you know, I kind of had to accept um, that I couldn't do it, and, you know, it's, you know, I think it was a different kind of even time, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you know, being a man, a disabled man and having to accept that you can't walk 20 metres unaided was was a problem. And obviously you helped me realise that. So thanks. Um, it, it's making, or it's getting people to realise the reality and the practical side of life. People often think, yes, I can do it. I mean, I think, yes, I can do it. And then I find, no, I can't. <clears throat> now that I'm older anyway. <laughs> um, and and it, it's, it's not nice to have to think that, that way. You don't want to admit that there is a problem. <clears throat> and, and it's getting people to admit the difficulties and realise that there are... It, it, it's not a sin... To have a disability. That's right. <laughs> when That's was right. it a sin to have a disability? That's right. Yeah, accepting it and living with it and learning to live with it is... That's the thing, yes. Yeah. It's, um, it's, it's possible and valuable. With regard to welfare benefits, can you see the situation getting better under a new government? Or is it going to be more of the same regardless who's in charge? I don't want to think ahead. It's a new government if we have to have one. <clears throat> to me, the situation is getting worse. It's becoming more difficult to claim benefits. They're putting more um, barriers in people's way. They're not thinking straight. They're trying to get people back to work. Who They're not going to go back to work because it's not going to be possible. Um, I'm afraid I'm a bit down on all those because I just don't think it's going to happen. That's totally understandable, honestly, to not see any positivity in the situation right now. Uh, I, I can no. totally understand that. Um, because it's the same across the board. I mean, like, you know, I've I've tried to um, dip my feet in with regard to housing. That's not getting any better. No, no. housing is no. not getting any better. No. So it's, it's just, you know... and, and Benefits aren't getting any better. Uh, no. They don't seem to want to help people that... I think deserve the help. Mm. This is it. It's not people that we're not talking about people who quote unquote benefit cheese. How many mm. times have you heard that? Well, um, yeah. we're, we're talking about real, real, genuine disabled people. Yes. It's just you know the situation is not very good. I mean, why why does why do they have to go to a tribunal to prove they are disabled and they need the help? Tell me why. Why can't somebody see it in advance? It doesn't make sense. Mm. doesn't make sense. Gladys Jane's MBE. Yes. Um, obviously, you have been uh, credited for the work that you have done. Yes. Um, when were you given your MBE and what were you given your MBE for? 
it was in 1996 and it was partly for the hard work and the other reason I was told was that um, at that time there were no accessible buses and no accessible taxis and transport was one of the biggest things that disabled people came across. Um, they, they couldn't get into, they, they couldn't get out to the shops, they couldn't get out to social visiting and we formed Harrow Community Transport so that we had minibuses with lifts <clears throat> so that we could take wheelchairs. Um, and and um, take people out to wherever they wanted to go that were otherwise just stuck indoors for years and years and years. Mm. Um, the other thing we did was, before that, every Christmas, we did a Christmas shopping appeal. And we used to have 300 residents we brought into Harrow, because in those days it was, it was um, the shop shut at six o'clock. And they used to stay open from six o'clock to eight o'clock, especially for disabled people to come and, and do wow. shopping. And we used to bring 300 people into Central Harrow in order to get whatever they wanted. Uh, and you were recognised, and you were recognised for... And I think it was, it, was a, it was a bit of both. 52 years on from the creation of HUD, can you still see the benefit to the community? Oh yes, I think it's still going to be needed because the people that come into us and say, oh, even now they come in and say, oh, we've just heard about you and can you help us with whatever their need is. Um, had, had, had is your legacy. Yes, yes. Can I just say from the bottom of my heart while we've got all the cameras running and the lights are on, yeah, I definitely love you and I appreciate you as a person. Yeah, you've you. helped me so much personally. Um, you know, when, when we first met, I was a weakened individual. And obviously now, you know, I've gone to the United Nations and I've done this and that. And, you know, we're sitting in my studio now and we're recording a podcast. And I, I would go as far as saying, if it wasn't for having the pleasure of meeting yourself, um, I, I probably wouldn't be on the path that I'm on. So... I'm very thankful for you and um, yeah, cheers mate. Thank you very much indeed. That's very kind of you, thank you. <laughs> Gladys, um, I like to end the show on a positive note. Um, so, can you tell me one thing you are grateful for and why? I'm probably grateful to be born at the time I was born. Um, um, I've, I've had a, up until recently, I've had a very healthy life, so that I've been able to um, to help people who who need it, and and do what I have done, if you like, to to um, not to be exploited, um, and and to be granted what they're entitled to I, th I think that's probably and let me just say again i'm very grateful for you so cheers mate and you know it's, it's a, a privilege for me to have such a legend <laughs> in my studio yeah because you know you are a great person and you've helped so many people yeah. and you know in harrow your name is well known there was we, we had a ceo of had a few years ago who estimated 
that we'd got in. I I, um, <clears throat> I had a a worker with me at the time, um, and it was estimated that we that particular year, and it's a good few years ago, we brought in two million pounds into Harrow, wow. and I would say it's probably more now because obviously amounts have gone up. Gladys Jane's MB. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Adam. It's been a delight. Two time with a struggle, so long I'm in pain. Mother is a king that the world don't see. Don't forget where I came, trying to get her anyway. Stuck in this cycle, I'm stuck in a maze. Feeling like I'm losing all the way I'm